You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 377. The Eagles lost two in a row to the Cardinals and to the Giants. Awful, disgusting, gross. We'll get to all that uh, after, uh, you know, soon enough. <laughs> but before we do, uh, I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BleedingGreenNation.com. Brandon, where can I find the finest meat snacks in the land? Well, Jimmy, one thing that you can be excited about in life is Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. You go to RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off the finest meat snacks. The, the meat snacks that the Eagles certainly have had at the NovaCare Complex fueling station, but clearly aren't eating enough of as they've had <laughs> right. an epic collapse going one in five in their last six games, Jimmy. Crazy. I mean... Isn't it funny how much was made about the gauntlet and like how were the Eagles were going to survive that? But the schedule <laughs> lightens up yeah. and it turns Giants, out, Cardinals, Giants turned out yeah, to be the gauntlet. That was the gauntlet. <laughs> um, this is honestly where I'm at after this loss to the Giants is not like a state of shock or anything. I was I was out in this team after. Didn't you pick them? Yeah. I, I Didn't you pick I, the Giants? I said that. Yes. In the preview show, I said. I'm taking them outright. I don't care about the line. Eagles are five point favorites. I don't give me any amount of points for the Giants. I love it. And give me them outright because you can't lose the Cardinals like they did to me. And like, be, you're, it's, that's, that is the ultimate mark of an unserious team. And we only saw that continue. So this wasn't like a revelation to me that they lost to the Giants. It is, they did play worse than I thought for sure. I thought, okay. The Eagles might not necessarily play well because they haven't pretty much for most of the season or almost all the season, but maybe they'll just win in part because the Giants are also really bad, or maybe it'll be a close game because the Giants are also really bad. They got smoked, Jimmy. They got smoked twenty-four yeah, so to zero. Two, two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row they got smoked. I mean the Card. Let's be. I mean the Cardinals. That that score was thirty-five to thirty-one, and the Eagles led most of that game. But that's not how that game went. Like they got their asses kicked by the Cardinals, and then they got their asses kicked from the get-go in this well, game, and it was never close. At least in that game, the offense, you know, they obviously a disastrous sequence at the end, but they showed up. Like, the offense showed up against the Cardinals. It did. Yes. They took advantage of a bad Cardinals defense, to be uh, frank, but they still showed up. In this game, no one showed up. The team didn't show up. And it's insane because um, imagine a world. I know this didn't happen, but this isn't because, like, you still have to ask or envision Imagine if the Commanders actually did upset the Cowboys. Imagine if the Commanders actually did win that game and the Eagles couldn't take care of business on their end. Right. To, because that game, 
obviously was competitive early on where the commanders took what like a 14 to 10 they were up 10 7 at 10 7 at one point yeah and, and honestly, then it was 14 10 for a little bit they were they were never gonna win that game obviously like yeah real well i mean it's possible but like it was obviously low likelihood they were going to win that even game. But like up, you said, it was it was competitive for a bit. Even when they were up, like, you know, they had a blocked field goal. They had a, um, you know, a tipped uh, interception. Like, it was like they weren't, you know, playing well uh, from what I could tell. Not obviously watching the game, but seeing it. Yeah. Check-ins. I never doubted the Cowboys were actually. But still, obviously, the Eagles went into the Week 17, Week 18 game thinking uh, they had. Obviously, they, they I'm saying obviously a lot. They didn't try to win it at all costs, certainly, because they sat Fletcher Cox. DeAndre Swift probably could have played if he, you know, this is a do or die game, but they sat him. He, it was, was, it was, he was out with an illness. Right. Yeah. But, you know, how often? Devontae Smith. My understanding is like Devontae Smith's injury isn't serious. And right. maybe he could have gone. And he's tough. Like, I'm sure like he he would go if, you know. Of course. In, he's never missed know, a game in, in, prior to this. Week. Right. Like, he, he's a tough player. Um, and Slay has, you know, missed his fourth straight game. It wasn't expected that he was going to be out this long, yeah. or they would have put him on IR. Yep. So, you're on IR for four games. If you go on IR, he's missed his fourth game. So it wasn't anticipated that he'd be out that long. And then Fletcher Cox, they just gave him a rest right. for this game unexpectedly. But that being said, I mean, you're still playing Lean Johnson. You're still starting Jalen Hurts. He's still like a lot of guys are still in there. Yeah. And 24 does your AJ Brown at halftime. AJ Brown naturally gets hurt. Uh, disastrous play that really just kind of sums up the vibes of this team. I never understood why there was like some kind of weird sea change, at least in terms of media coverage last week, or I don't know, the vibes might be shifting with this Eagles team. AJ Brown defends Nick Sirianni (laughs) in his locker. Jordan Mailata's in the locker room saying the vibes are high. And I'm not trying to say, look at me, I was right. That's not the point of me bringing it up. I just like, I, I never got that. I didn't, and I wrote that in my preview for the game uh, on Sunday morning. I'm like, I am not buying it until I see otherwise. And sure enough, they go out. They're terrible, pathetic. And there's a lot of blame to be shared. When you have a collapse this bad, when you're 1-6, this is a historic kind of collapse. I saw Peter King say in his uh, Monday morning column that this is like the weirdest collapse he's seen in 40 years of covering football. Like, you know, whatever you think of Peter King, like he's he's covered the game a long time. He certainly has perspective. He's seen a lot of stuff. Oh, I mean, I agree with him. (laughs) Certainly, I agree with him here. For him to say something like that, like, is carries some weight. Ruben Frank obviously has covered the Eagles for forever as well, uh, is saying he labeled it like a collapse the NFL has never seen. It's, it's, It's pathetic. And, man, again, a lot of things that you can blame. It's not like just one person. But when it comes down to it, there's a head coach overseeing this collapse. And I don't, I, I've been saying this. I've been beat. I said this to me to you after the Eagles beat the Giants. I was saying it when they were, you know, they they won a couple weeks ago on Christmas. What is Nick Sirianni providing to this team? What edge is he giving them? Are the players bought in? It doesn't seem like it. There's no, there's no evidence of that. You have AJ Brown according to Jay Glazer, having a players-only meeting, the, the players-only meeting. I think that's mm-hmm. the second one the Eagles have had this year, by the way, because Tim McMahon has previously reported they had one. So the dreaded players-only meeting, which never portends well for a team, that like that never turns a team around. That typically is a sign when things are going pretty bad. And A.J. Brown's message is like, we have to start believing in the coaches? 
in week 17 going into week 18 you start believing in them damning yeah and the effort on the field like that's not a team that is well coached or has players going out to play for their head coach to save his job that's not what i saw what did you see well they quit in this game i mean factually quit they quit the game because at the you know with one minute left in the first half and let me before before i even get there let's take a step back and let's look at like just the stats of the first half because we talked about how they got their asses kicked by the cardinals and then they got their asses kicked in this game in the first half uh it was 24 nothing eagles had five first downs giants had 14 Eagles had 102 yards. Giants had 272. The Giants had 200 more passing yards than the Eagles. They had 229 to just 29 uh, for the Eagles. Uh, three turnovers for the Eagles, uh, one for the Giants, and the, and the Giants dominated time of possession just as the Cardinals did the week before. So they got their asses kicked, and with a minute left in the first half, Nick Sirianni didn't wait until halftime. He didn't even wait to see, like, okay, well, maybe if we get some points on the board before the end of the half, we can go into the locker room, maybe with some kind of momentum heading into the second half. Uh, if you know, if we can close out this half with at least something positive. Nope. He was just like, Hertz, you're out. Lane Johnson, you're out. Jason Kelsey, you're out. I don't I think he may have taken Dallas Goddard out at that point, too. I'm not sure. Uh, but those three guys were definitely out. And then, you know, they never they never came back in. They had already lost uh AJ Brown earlier in the game with you know, when when he with this catch fumble injury on the same play uh went to the medical tent was in there for a couple minutes and then right off the field uh to the locker room not to return so i mean they just gave up after 29 minutes in this game and as you mentioned like they they wanted to win this game they played most of their starters but it was a half measure like it was like okay well we'd like to win this game but we don't really want to try that hard to win the game because we're going to hold all these guys out which i don't think it works and like those kinds of half measures just don't work in the NFL and they wound up getting their asses kicked and they lost to a team, by the way, like, you know, they were missing their starting quarterback and Daniel Jones, not a great quarterback, whatever, but you know, they're out, they're missing their starter. They're missing their right tackle. They're missing the backup right tackle. They're missing their center. They're missing, you know, one of their starting corners. This, This is a team that like ready for vacation bags packed for Cabo or, or, the Maldives or wherever, wherever guys go in the offseason, they were ready to go. And this team just absolutely smoked them. The offense sucked. The defense sucked. And most importantly, the coaching sucked. Mm. Offensively, just their inability to handle the blitz is confounding. I mean, they knew full freaking well that Wink Martindale was going to come out and blitz the crap out of him as he always does. And as he just did two weeks, he just did two weeks ago. You just saw this team literally 14 days ago and you're this unprepared for the blitz. And it's been a talking point for the majority of the season about how the Eagles just don't have hot routes built into their offense to give Jalen hurts a chance to get the ball out of his hands quickly uh, against the blitz. And what we've seen him do instead is try to extend plays by kind of bailing from the pocket immediately. And then we just see so many plays where he escapes the pocket. He's looking around for guys down the field for another couple seconds. And then he throws it out of bounds Yeah, because that's basically what this scheme is forcing him to do at this point. And, you know, he wasn't good in this game. Certainly he had what, like what, what, what were his stats? I don't have them here in front of me, but he like 59 passing yards, no touchdowns. Of course, uh, the one interception, I think he was like six for 14 or something like that. So a lot of balls hitting the ground. 
uh, as opposed to the week prior when only like four balls hit the ground against the Cardinals. But he did not have a good game. But at the same time, they're just not helping him in any way. They're not giving him a chance to succeed in this offense. And like you said, I don't think it's just Brian Johnson. I don't think it's just the the quarterback's coach or the passing game coordinator, the run game coordinator. I think, you know, ultimately the fingerprints are are on the head coach on this debacle. Well, if it is the coordinator, it's up to the head coach to like get that fixed. Like, hey, we need it's his offense. Yeah, it's it's the head coach's offense. And guess what? This is not a new issue for the Eagles. For as good as they were on offense last year, if you could point to one thing they were not good at, it was this. This is I remember the Cardinals game because that was a big issue. Vance Joseph sent a lot of blitzes at them. And I remember thinking about I think I brought up if you go back to the offseason podcast, here's a deep cut for you. When, after they signed Alameda Zacchaeus. I thought that might be like an interesting underrated move for the purposes right. of like, oh, now maybe they're trying to add more, like more of a traditional slot guy an underneath. Guy. Yeah, so they can yeah. have someone who can actually handle, like, or, or they can trust who to run a hot route. Um, so I definitely right, which is not Quez. Quez is of course right. like a what Brandon's referring to. He's like a down the field type of slot receiver. Zacchaeus is more of like a guy that can work the right. short, intermediate, and deeper parts of the field. So like again, this isn't just. Like hind, like I, these things were said. This is a Nick Sirianni issue. It's not just a Brian Johnson issue. So that's why it's just like I, I have so little interest in just being like change the coordinators. That fixes everything. No, it does not. And and if your if your proposal is like change the coordinators and give them more power, so Nick Sirianni has even less power. But why are you keeping Sirianni around? What is he doing at that point? Like it's just like we need to neuter his responsibility as much as possible. Okay, then why keep him? I think. It should not be out of the question at all that he should be fired. I know that seems crazy at like first glance when, or, or, or at a certain point in the season, when you look at his record, he's won twice as many games as he's lost playoffs in three years. I like to pick that apart a little bit more because I think playoffs in three, three straight years of playoffs sounds a lot better than the reality of you made it the first year. You got blown out 31 to zero in the fourth quarter of that game, the Bucks game in Sirianni's first season. Uh, the second season, obviously fantastic. You went to the Super Bowl. To be fair, like Sirianni was also a big reason why you lost the Super Bowl when he got conservative and didn't give you an edge in that game. So kind of an issue, but still obviously a great year. And then this year, you're going on an all-time collapse to maybe lose in the first round again. Like, don't miss me with three straight years of the playoffs. And honestly, it's not about what he has done to this point, as I've said before. You don't keep Nick Sirianni because we like his resume. That's not a reason to keep him. That's not a reason to keep him. The reason you keep him, if you keep him, which I don't think they should, is that he has a good plan to fix things. That is the reason why he can stay. If he has a plan, a good plan that he can outline, then there is some level of merit to him staying. I really struggle to see how he has that plan if it's very clear right now that he doesn't have answers and i don't think changing the coordinators alone helps and also how can he be trusted to change the coordinators and make good hires after and obviously it's not just up to him because jeffrey lurie and howie roseman are unendoubtedly involved in this process at some level Mm -hmm. that's part of the complication but let's be real i mean the matt patricia hire was pathetic they never should have done it it was said at the time but whatever, fine. If he's on your staff as an advisor, probably not the worst thing ever. You 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 promoted him. Which defensive coordinator even wants to work for you if you're coming into a job where you might get fired halfway, demoted effectively halfway through the season 
and like Sean Desai did. And it's so clear that that moment was a disaster, but not just now. In the moment, everyone, we were all saying that. It was a panic move. It was an unserious move. It's Matt freaking Patricia. And it was an insane move to make. They didn't need to make it. They pressed the panic button when they didn't need to. And the defense has gotten even worse. This idea that like, oh, it can't get worse than Sean Desai. Guess what? It did. It got even worse than Sean Desai. Uh, so Yeah, if I'm a defensive coordinator, uh, on the point that you make about the defensive coordinator, if, I, if I'm a defensive coordinator, like maybe thinking about um, joining the Eagles, like becoming a new hire for them, I'm looking for full autonomy over any quote unquote defensive consultants that are hired yeah. because basically what you had the last two years is Jonathan Gannon working under the specter of right. uh, Vic Fangio and, and, you know, behind the scenes. And point. then this year, of course, Sean designed with, uh, with Matt Patricia. Like. What is this weird process? Yeah, like, right. Well, the shadow person operating in the background influence to hire a coordinator that you stand behind. And then that's your guy and stand or fail with him, but don't meddle. And then I also think from a head coaching perspective, the message that firing Sirianni sends is that coaches have a short leash with this team because they fired Doug, you know, not too many seasons after he won a Super Bowl. You fire Sirianni a year after he goes to the Super Bowl. And so I'm with you, to, to be clear. Like, I, I agree that this season is fireable with the way that, that they have just completely collapsed down the stretch where they have no answers offensively, they have no answers defensively, and they just made an asinine decision to replace the defensive coordinator with someone who is, I think, per frankly unqualified for a defensive coordinator job. Um, obviously, he did it for a long time in the NFL, but has not shown a great level of success. And to step in and run some weird version of Sean decides old defense that wasn't working and changes that he tried to implement after 13 freaking games where guys are running around. Like it's like looking like it's the preseason pre-snap, not knowing who to cover. And we'll, I'll get to all that in a minute. Like there's some plays during this Eagles giants game that I want to point out that were just ridiculous from the, from the defensive side of the ball. But like th th just guys kind of like running around like, like chickens without their heads, uh, you know, these last few games, it's all just been a completely self-inflicted disaster over this last two months. The opposing viewpoint I'll take on, in terms of, high, of firing Sirianni is just what I mentioned before. Like it, it, it be, you know, it becomes sort of like an undesirable place to work as a head coach or a defensive coordinator with the way that they've handled the, these guys over the last few years. And like we saw Chip get Kelly, Chip Kelly get fired uh, after three years, deservingly so. We saw Doug Peterson get fired debatably uh whether that was deserving or not well the, um, jeffrey larry you know, himself said it wasn't deserving as much as it just was about the timelines not matching up. right and then and then nick sirianni of course as you mentioned you went through his went through his resume underselling the super bowl season a tad in my opinion no, i, said he I mean that all was the credit in the world but i do agree i mean i do stand by he was a big he was a, a not an insignificant reason why they lost the super bowl and i'm not saying that now in hindsight the, the quote that bothered yeah. me so much the whole time was that he just wanted to be like 32 out of 32 head coaches on that fourth down situation. Yeah, I got you. I got you. That's loser shit, dude. <laughs> That's loser shit to be like, I just want to be like every other coach. How about be the one coach who wins the Super Bowl? But from an outside perspective, you look at what happened here and you, okay, they make the playoffs the first year. They exceeded expectations the first year in 2021. There weren't that many people that had them going to the playoffs and they go to the playoffs, of course, go to the Super Bowl. Nobody was expecting that. 
this year is a completely, you know, complete meltdown, obviously. And, but in a season where they started 10 and one and they are in the playoffs again, again, I'm with you more impressive than it sounds, or uh, excuse me, less impressive than it right. sounds going to, you know, the, the playoffs three straight years, uh, particularly with the way it all, all, all unfolded this year. But if you fire them, who are you going to get? That's, that's the question. So like, and there's going to be a lot of other firings a lot mm. around the league this year. Like, it's not just going to be like three or four teams that, that get rid of their coach, probably going to be more like seven or eight. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a brutal day. We're recording this on Monday, by the way, at, 10, at 1030. There's already one firing that the Falcons um, fired uh, Arthur Smith. Certainly Washington's going to fire that Ron happened. Rivera and right, on, right yeah. on down the list. Oh, it did happen already. Okay. So, I mean, right on down the list, there's going to be like coach after coach after coach getting lopped off today. Um, so, you know, the Eagles are going to have a lot of competition if they happen to go the route of firing. And by the way, they're a week behind because they're in the playoffs. So they're in the playoffs and then they fired Xiriani presumably after, you know, if they, if they lose to the Buccaneers, uh, next Monday night, you know, that's all going to, that's going to strengthen the case to fire him all the more. But again, you're, you're now more than a week behind all these other teams that are looking for, for a head coach. So that's the downside of doing it. Um, I'm not totally there in terms of, you know, they should, in, in thinking they should fire him. I kind of want to see what happens this week too. Um, although we kind of have a lot of the, we have a lot of the pieces of the puzzle in place, <laughs> but you know, I do kind of want to see what happens this week and see if they can win a playoff game and then what happens thereafter. But obviously this coaching staff has just been an absolute nightmare disaster uh, over the last two months. And and it's been really hard to watch for, for Eagles fans. I'm sure. They've gotten less out of more. And I think at a very simple level, coaching is about getting more out of less. Good coaching. Yep. And they don't do that. They don't maximize what they have as much as they have, you know, gotten by. Let's, they... let's do this. Let's do a little exercise here on, on that point that you're making. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go position by position. And you say overperformed this season or underperformed. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Quarterback. Underperformed. Running back. Uh, Overperformed. Wide receiver. Uh, level like uh, performed. Okay, right. Okay, uh, I agree. Yeah, basically on expectations. Offensive line. Um, I would say, I guess performed. Maybe underperformed. Okay, defensive line. Under uh, defensive line. Well, let's 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 split that up. Interior defensive line. Uh, under. Well, it's hard. It's young Carter. Early on, over. I would say second half of the year. Ultimately, on uh, it's tough though. Fletcher Cox has had a good year though too. Um, I think they kind of just performed generally. Edge underperformed definitely. Linebacker. <laughs> For me, the expectations weren't there anyway, I but I still think they underperformed. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Corner. Uh, under obviously. Wildly underperformed. Uh huh. Uh, and and safety. Say safety is kind of about what you would expect. I think, you know, Reed Blankenship's kind of been up and down. Kevin Byard, it's been not great, but he's been okay. I, I would go underperform okay. even there, uh, despite sure. your expectations as well. So there you have it. I mean, like, for the most part, it's been underperformed. Right. And, you know, you can point to the players for that. Certainly the players have a hand in, in that. Uh, as you and I point out all the time, like the players yeah. are ultimately the ones that that decide most of these games. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think your point that the coaching staff has not gotten enough out of these guys uh, is is very telling. I agree with you when it comes to uh, the market. You certainly, like I like I just said with 
about Nick Sirianni needing to have a plan and that should be the basis of whether he's back or not, not just his record. I just, I really, that bothers me so much. I just bother me so much when you just point to what he's done and be like, that's why he should be back. That doesn't mean anything. Just because he did that doesn't mean it's going to be more, you're basically just saying, well, he wins. Okay, but what specifically does he do that you like that is conducive to winning? That's what I want to know. That's the answer that the Eagles have to, I think, portray at least publicly, or it feels like they should in terms of the fans deserve to know that, I believe. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the Eagles potentially moving on from Nick Sirianni, I agree it has to be. It can't just be like, we're firing Nick Sirianni because we're mad. That's not the reason you do it. You would fire him in part because you feel like we can upgrade here. They have to have, obviously, they can't know exactly who they would hire one for one, probably, because you know it's a feeling out process. You have to interview candidates and whatnot shouldn't be predetermined but you have to have some kind of idea of who you really like or who you could get so that has to be part of the equation there i agree with that much but man it's just gonna be like a really tough sell even if they beat the bucks who are bad i don't know if you watched that panther team bucks are bad dude yeah, I mean, I just whenever they were showing it on the Red Zone channel from the uh, from the brutal. press box, but and they weren't showing them that much because it was nine nothing, and they like neither yeah. team was like was in the red zone all that much. So I didn't see much of that game, but m- my understanding is it was ugly, and neither. Was, I mean, obviously the Panthers are what they are, but but the but the Bucks did not. I mean, kept Panthers didn't they have like two touchdowns that got called back for on penalties. Uh, they had at least one, yes, and they also had another one that where the like the receiver was jumping into the end zone and the ball, oh, and ball went through the back of the right end zone, yeah. before in the Bucks recovery. <laughs> Great play by the Bucks, but also the Bucks did not play well Luck. in that game. Yeah, they that's a lucky play. Just, they they merely were less worse than the awful Carolina, clearly worst team in the NFL Panthers. So I do think the Eagles possibly, and we'll, we can get to this. Obviously, we'll do still a preview show for this week, I suppose, later in the week. I do think the Eagles can win by virtue of the Bucks could potentially be that much worse, but not so much like the Eagles looking good. I don't believe in that. I just believe that the Bucks could be worse. Anyway, um, so yeah, the Eagles have to have a plan, but man, I just think it's such a tough sell. Even if you beat this Bucks team and then get, because then what's, the, first of all, I don't want that to happen. I want this season to be over because it's just wasting, <laughs> it's a whole waste of time. And if you beat the Bucks in that fashion, it's one thing if you, like, you went down to Tampa and you smoked the Bucks, okay. Maybe you did turn a corner. I don't buy that. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. But that, at least you could, like, talk yourself into a little bit. But if you, like, don't even play well again, if you do another 2023 Eagles win over the Bucks, just to get smoked by the 49ers or Cowboys or Lions or wherever you play in the next round, like, what's the point of that? You're just delaying the yeah. inevitable. So even if that happens, it's just, like, how do the Eagles sell this? Like, if you're an Eagles fan, like, don't you just feel, like, how do you buy that? How do you buy that? new coordinators or whatever is making the difference for this team. I think it's, they're in a really dire spot. And I think it's a very unenviable spot that they don't want to be in. I think they're pretty like, this is a nightmare scenario. It's one thing, like the nightmare scenario is not, the Eagles came into the season and they went 0-18 or whatever. Because at that point, it's pretty clear what you have to do. Oh, or 0-17. You just fire the coach. Like, it's a clear decision. This is not a very... Like easy thing for them to do in terms of Nick Sirianni's record, and again the the situation you mentioned in terms of you don't even know who you can get. There's going to be a lot of competition for other coaches. The Eagles 
haven't always been able to get the top names on the market. That always hasn't mattered in terms of their ability to identify candidates and have. It's weird because on one hand, legal should feel good about their ability to hire someone and have success relatively soon because Jeffrey Lurie has done a really good job with that. Uh, Obviously, Andy, Chip, Doug. Nick, they've all had they all had the immediate short term. Within the first five years, they've had they've had they've had things they can point to. I mean, Andy, Doug, and Nick all got to the Super Bowl within their first five years. And Chip won what two ten? He had two ten win seasons to start his career. Yeah, he won the NFC Easter first year. Not as good, obviously, but still, like that's relative other coaching hires. That's pretty strong. So yeah. And it fell apart a lot quicker than these other ones, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but, the, but, but, but your point being like, they all have quick success is, is, is absolutely so valid. that's like something I feel like they can feel good about, but obviously it comes back to staying power is just yeah. not there at all. And you can't, it's hard to separate that, right? It can't just be, it can't just be all the coaches can't just be them. I think coaching is very much to blame in this situation. But if you if you continue to do this thing where you're having these coaches who flame out quickly, it's probably not just them, and it probably speaks to something bigger. Uh, so that's where I'm at. All right. I got a lot to say about the defense. So why don't we take a break here, and we'll come back. We'll talk about some things that happened on the defensive side of the ball in the Eagles-Giants game. But before we do that, Wrong Crowd Beer is where you should get your beer friends because it's delicious beer uh i just had a boaster about when i got home from the eagles giants game uh maybe gummy thrown in there as well i don't know can't say whether that happened or not but um it's a delicious beer and you can go there they're located they're located in westchester pa uh again wrongcrowdbeer.com is where you can order their beers online or you can get it wherever you buy your beer and if they don't have it, say, yo, dude, where's the wrong crowd beer? I hear it's the best in the land, and I want to drink some of that immediately, uh, as long as I'm 21 years old. So wrongcrowdbeer.com, wrongcrowdbeer, Westchester, PA. Brandon? Back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, the future of work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, what do you possibly want to say about this Eagles defense? <laughs> Is it that you're a fan of dropping Hassan Reddick <laughs> in the coverage? That's exactly where I want to go. So I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. All throughout the week, and Zach Berman uh, of PHLY was 
um, you know, all over the the coaching staff about and the players about uh, Hassan Reddick dropping into coverage. What was it like eight or nine times or something like that during the Cardinals game? And I actually thought Matt Patricia gave an encouraging answer when he was asked about that, where he said they got into a lot, a lot of long defensive drives and he understood that, oh crap, okay, they're, they're taking advantage of um, sort of a, a scheme, uh, not malfunction is the wrong way to put it, but a scheme disadvantage here where they're getting into certain sets and they're, we, and Hassan Reddick is his assignment when they, when they show this look or that look is to drop into coverage and we got to fix that and we'll fix that when they get off the field but it inflated the number of times he dropped in the coverage because they couldn't get off the field and he couldn't make those corrections you know, during the drive itself. So I get all that, but then they come out in, the, in this game and the first freaking play of the game, Hassan Reddick drops in the coverage. Like Dan Orlovsky showed this on Twitter, the first defensive play of the game, Hassan Reddick is dropping in the coverage. And to take that a step further, uh, Denise Selman and, you know, a uh, friend of the show and a, lot, a bunch of other people, you know, had pointed out on Twitter that when, uh, the giant, or excuse me, when the Cardinals got into, you know, two by two looks where they have two tight ends on one side and then two receivers on the other, and the two receivers on the are on the side of Reddick, then Reddick would drop into coverage, and that is exactly what the Giants did on the first play of the game because they're not they're not idiots. They can see what was what the Cardinals were doing the, the week before and how the Eagles were reacting to it, and I'm sure Brian Dable is like, and and Mike Kafka were probably like, yeah, they're probably going to fix this, but. Let's show that look on the first play of the game and we'll see if these idiots haven't corrected, you know, that that that, you know, that, that scheme flaw where we can just get Hassan Reddick to drop into coverage wherever we want. There's the first play of the game. They show that. And sure enough, Hassan Reddick drops in the coverage. And like I'm picturing like Mike, you know, uh, Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, like if they have like their cell phones on them during the game. And Brian Dable's like, <laughs> LOL, <laughs> Reddick dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe Reddick is dropping against those looks still. So it's insane. like when you talk about like, you know, this team got out coached or that team got out, you know, that team out coached that team, or whatever. That's all usually just kind of like um, uh, anecdotal, but this is like a pure thing that you can point to that happened in this game where they just got out. They didn't fix flaws that emerged during a previous game. Another team saw it on film. They exploited it. You got out coach. It's just insane that they didn't make that adjustment when you, you basically just like fans and media people and, you know, other people that are watching the Eagles from, you know, around the country can just very easily see that they have a scheme. Well, they didn't fix it. It's just insane that they didn't fix it. It's really hard to, talk about from like an analyst perspective because it's like what am i supposed to say they're just dumb like that because the evidence kind of supporting that at the same time a lot of the times it's not that simple you know what i mean it's not obviously like they're not it shouldn't be at least right it shouldn't be that they're just so dumb and they have no clue because like you just said they're watching this they're studying this they're seeing this on tape there's no way they don't know about it right at the very least like they have to be aware of it at some level they have to just because it's what they're doing. And as much as they want to say they don't listen to any pundits or whatever, they do at some level. They absolutely have some level of awareness of that. Or at least through another person, you know, like the, the Eagles PR people are kind of, you know, certainly prepping them on what's being talked about and what questions they're going to be asked about. So yeah. if you think you're getting questions about this, well, maybe there's at least a non-zero level of merit to this. But the results... You know, you can't get caught up in what they say. The results really are the most telling thing. 
and you're not seeing any changes. And it's it's crazy. We're in week. Well, we're get, we're going into the playoffs, and man, we're in January. <laughs> this is what I but like when I I've been saying January. it's like a poorly coached team. It's just part of it. So I don't know what else is there is to say. It's just it was a joke that they did it again. It's a joke that they tried to install Matt. Even if Matt Patricia was good, which he's not, but even if he was, like the decision making behind that process is so flawed. Yeah. How are you going to install a new system like late in the season? And also, just, like, why did you need to panic there? Why did you really need to panic? Because you lost to two of the better teams in the NFL. You lost to the 49ers and you lost to the Cowboys. So you have to panic? Your season's over? You're, you're like, you have to make this desperate move? No. You would so much. They were in still great position at that point to get the one seed or at least the two seed, win the division for the first time. Uh, as repeat winners in 20 years like all that was still very much in front of them it wasn't like well it's Andy Reid's last year or something you know and you're just trying to throw something at the wall last is it wasn't a Hail Mary situation it was not was not the situation they were in at all and they were acting like that and they brought it upon themselves I wasn't frustrated I was frustrated when the Eagles lost the the Cardinals because they should have beaten them and there was so much on the line and I still had hope that they can maybe turn it around, that that can maybe be like the get right game. But after that, and at this point, no, like they brought this on themselves. Like they, they deserve this. The Eagles deserve what they're going through. They, mm-hmm. they, it's not like bad luck or anything. No one's inflicted for the most part. They're going into this playoff game, potentially depending on how injuries shake out. We'll see exactly. But they might have all 22 starters going into this playoff game. Think about that. That's crazy. Yeah. It's not even like, oh, the season got derailed to injury, which I think is oftentimes, you know, an excuse. Right, like if you're the Bengals, you, like if you're if you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you lost Joe Burrow for the season, it's like, okay, well, this was going to be the outcome. You know, of course we, you know, of course right. we didn't make the playoff. Joe Burrow got hurt, you know? Exactly. It's not that. But they, there's no excuses. <laughs> there's nothing they can lean on. <laughs> A few other plays I wanted to point out here. Just, I mean, on the first, I think it was the first Giants drive of the game. Uh, Tyrod Taylor hits Wandale Robinson, their slot, their slot receiver. It's like a 35 yard gain, but he ran, he ran like a, just a, a basic slant from the slot and caught it. Like, I think like eight to 10 yards past the line of scrimmage, right in the middle of the field. I mean, like, well, right line, almost lined up with the center is where he caught this pass. Do you there know was what not happened a defender. No. So I don't know. Maybe it wasn't easy to see live, but on the broadcast is pretty clear, especially the angle they were showing it at Kevin Byard was coming down the blitz from like <laughs> way, you know, like playing like free safety, like, like way mm-hmm. coming to blitz way far away. It wasn't like at the line or anything. I think by the time the ball was out, he got to like the line of scrimmage. It's like, <laughs> what is the point of that? There's, yeah. There's no point of that. You're just vacating a space, but not getting any pressure. You brought a blitz. You didn't even get close to getting pressure. And you just vacated this huge hole I mean, in coverage. Even with a blitz, even if you are blitzing, there should not be, there should just not be that amount of space literally right in the epicenter of the, of like the passing area of the field, eight to 10 yards down the field, literally right in the middle of the field. And there's not 10, there's not a defender within 10 yards of him. And then he gets massive yards after the catch, of course. A couple other plays. And this will come out on the all twenty-two. I don't know if I don't know if you could really see this on the uh, on the telecast or not. I'm guessing you probably could, but on the Saquon Barkley uh, 
catch deep down the, the down, down the left sideline where he was. There's actually like three Eagles defenders eventually in the area, like as he's making the it kind of in the area when he's making the catch. But it looked to me like Nicholas Morrow was supposed to be covering him man to man. And I think Nolan Smith just tried to cover him because he knew the play was effed and he just knew that Saquon Barkley was going to go. So he tried, he tried to run after him and, you know, couldn't keep up with you know, Saquon Barkley. He can still run a little bit uh, even after the injuries and such. And then Reed Blankenship couldn't get over from his safety spot in time to do anything about it. But just to watch the the confusion that was going on pre-snap during that play, it was pathetic. And I go, like, I'm in the press box. Uh, you can ask Dave Zangaro about this. Like as like before the snap, I go, this is going to be a big play. And then then I go, oh, and it's going to Barkley because it was clear like that they somebody was going to be uncovered with the way that, you know, the Eagles just didn't know who had who on that play. And then Barkley once runs the wheel route. I knew that was going to be open immediately. And again, I'm not some like expert football mind or anything like that, but it's pretty clear to see when a guy's going to be wide open because there's confusion before a play and he was wide open. They connected on a big play. Very next play, nobody's in the same zip code as Darius Slayton. He walks in for an easy touchdown. Be just like there's just there's just total confusion and disorganization with again this already bad version of of Sean Desai's defense that was you know it was bad it wasn't horrible but it was a it's a bastardized version of whatever he was running and some some random changes that Patricia wanted to make to it that have made this already bad defense substantially worse somehow. I really think people oversold just how bad Sean decides the Eagles themselves clearly oversold just how bad Sean decides defense was not that again, it was good. I'm not saying it's great or amazing, but they did do some good things that absolutely did happen. Mm -hmm. That's not nothing. This is nothing. This is worse than nothing. They're getting, yes. like, again, it's so pathetic what they tried. Almost like if they wanted to sabotage Sean Desai, like how would that look different than what they did in terms of getting rid of him after that tough stretch and then trying to set up Matt Patricia to succeed by installing him ahead of lesser quarterbacks? Except, oops, those are actually, those guys are actually hurting the Eagles too. It's just, I don't. I don't have much more to say. I guess about this game and the state of the team. The change too, like the, 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 it's. I think the change too from the side of Patricia. Just, it's just crazy how poorly they handled adversity this season. Yeah. I mean, last year they had they had none. Like they faced no adversity whatsoever last year. I mean, Which it's is rare. The, the, That's not the, the norm. The only thing that came that came close to adversity last season was when Jalen Hurts got hurt in the Bears game, and then they lost you know, two straight games to uh, the Cowboys and the Saints. And I was like, uh-oh, well, the one seed could slip away here. And then Hurts played Hurt. They, you know, kind of eked by uh, against the Giants week 18. And then heading into the playoffs, there were questions whether, you know, they were going to be the same team they were throughout the season. And they blew out the Giants. They blew out the 49ers and they got the Super Bowl. So, okay, so they that was the level of adversity they faced last season. So not much at all. Face some in 2021. They went two and five. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, they kind of, I guess that was around the point where Nick Sirianni gave up play calling to Shane Steichen. They went really run heavy from that point on. They found an identity. They went on, I wouldn't call it a run, but they 
you know, won enough games to, to get into the playoffs and exceeded expectations in that season. So, you know, they faced some level of, of adversity during that season. But again, expectations were low that year. They weren't mm-hmm. expected to you yeah. know, be in the playoffs or, or, you know, compete for a Super Bowl or anything like that. This they year, got housed again when they made the, like, their playoff game, they got the and they got and they got housed in the playoffs, of course, yeah. And then this year, expectations are super high. Obviously, like it, for many fans, it was basically Super Bowl or bust, and for others, I mean, it was like Super Bowl win or bust for this season. And you know, any any you know, falling short of that, and you know, like there's there's gonna be unhappiness, with, you know, with the with this team, and they have to put it like. Uh, Bart Simpson, they have folded faster than Superman on laundry day when they have faced adversity this season. Like it's been crazy how like how panicky the moves they have made. And of course, you know, the biggest one, you know, which was kind of started me off on this rant was, you know, switching from Sean Desai to to Matt Patricia, just a pure panic move um, that, you know, I, I don't think there was any question at the time that it was a panic move. You know, yeah. you and Everyone I both called it. We, you and I both called it that. I think there are some people that disagreed that it was a panic move. Like it was like, okay, well, Sean Desai has been terrible. Like, would you rather them just do nothing? And no, you didn't yeah. have to do nothing. You could have done something, but it didn't have to be this. Like it didn't have to be this drastic. And you didn't have to go like, okay, well, we're gonna we're we're gonna put the the fate of our defense and thus our team in the hands of this guy. Mm-hmm. Really, Matt Patricia? That's who you're putting your season in your hands of? Like, are you kidding me? Just it's confounding that that's the choice that they made, uh, you know, heading into that Seahawks game and, and for the rest of the season. And that's how the season's going to be remembered. Ultimately, yeah. uh, was that switch from from Desai to to Patricia. And maybe there will be more craziness that happens in this playoff game, and, and it might be remembered for that. But for my money, that's what the season's going to re- be remembered for. Um, and and obviously, it's turning into one of the worst seasons in the last quarter century. The Eagles love a weird defensive coordinator situation. Between this, <laughs> yeah, this, see, I think that, and I know where you're going. With I think, I think this is actually worse than what, like, at least with Juan Castillo. I, at the time, I remember being able to be talked into a little bit the idea that, okay, well, he's been an elite offensive line coach for so long, and he has a deep understanding about how defenses, you know, try to attack the quarterback and try to attack the run game, and he could, you know, sort of implement those, those. Um, you know, what he's seen over the last 15, 20 years of his career. And, you know, I, I thought that I, I could kind of talk myself into that a little bit. I could never talk myself into the firing of, you know, the defensive coordinator after 13 games and, ha- and having Matt Patricia. I could never talk myself into that. Like, I never found any reasonable logic for, for doing that other than that, you know, the defense was not really that good at that point. But that was another cockamamie decision where, they had to hire Juan Castillo because they couldn't really hire a real defensive coordinator because they had already brought in Jim Washburn, who had a very specific idea of what he wanted to do up front. <laughs> yes. And then it was hard to find a defensive coordinator who would kind of get on board with that person right. having that level of power. So I'm not saying it's the same thing with Desai, but it's just, again, stop these weird, like, dynamics where like there's a shadow interest and all, like, Make a defensive coordinator hire, stick by that guy, and if you succeed, great. And if you fail, then replace him. Like you don't have to do this. this you said it earlier, just even with the Eagles, how approach how they approach this week 18 game. This hash half measure stuff. No half measures. No yeah. half measures. Stop. Okay. 
why don't we take another break here and then let's just i don't know run through some initial thoughts on the bucks matchup obviously again we'll sure. preview the game later but let's just get some initial takes out there and before we do that you should tell me about Kristen roach from roach realtors yes you can call or text her at 856-906-9295 uh, as I've mentioned in previous podcast episodes, uh, the housing market buying selling season is right around the corner. It's like spring is when a lot of people start putting their homes on the market. And you may or may not know that if you bought a home in the last 10 years or so, it is probably worth way more than it did when you bought it. So, I mean, even if you just wanted to reach out to Kristen and have her do a market analysis uh, on your home, you know, get an idea of what it would be worth if you put it on the market. She can certainly do that for you. Uh, that's free of charge. We would just ask, of course, that if you do put it on the market, use her. Again, 856-906-9295. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, 856-906-9295, 9295. Eagles are going to be playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the second time this season. Last played them in week three. Once again at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Jimmy, there was a time there where I feel like I didn't know Tampa was called just Tampa. You know, because it's called Tampa Bay, the team name. So I thought <laughs> I the city that. was called Tampa Bay for a bit. No. That's funny. <laughs> I know. I felt very yeah. silly. So... <laughs> There's an embarrassing fun fact about myself. Yeah, it's not like uh, Green Bay is called Green Bay. That's what that I mean. Is the name of the town, but Tampa not is, consistent. Uh, Tampa is Tampa. Tampa. It's not Tampa Bay. Yeah. So, if you didn't know that, hey, we taught you something. And if you did, <laughs> yeah, like the Tampa like Bay people. area is comprised of like Tampa, Clearwater, uh, St. Pete. Uh, you know, it's actually a pretty cool little area down there. Um, I happen to be staying in Clearwater. Never been there before. That's of course where the Phillies play their uh, yes. their their uh, spring training games. So I'm very much looking forward to that. But yeah, it's and also as easy uh, a road destination to get in and out of. Uh, so if like you ever do want to go to a game, that's a great state. That's a great game. You know, uh, that's a great opponent. To, and they actually mm-hmm. play the Buccaneers in Tampa again in 2024. Right. Airport and the stadium are like right next to each other shit ton of hotels all over the place right in that area and there's always a ton of eagles fans down there so i don't know getting a little off course here but that would be my recommendation if you've never been to a road game before test out the waters going there far first well but don't do it this monday because i don't think it's gonna be <laughs> right. that great of an experience yeah. i mean you can if you want but that's on you next year such a bummer this game is on monday night oh like this it's just devastating the fifth monday night game woman's well, fifth monday game <laughs> they've had this year yeah Although uh, even, wanna... even the Christmas one was that was Monday evening. That game wasn't over until like eight. Right. It was four twenty five, but it wasn't it yeah. wasn't officially Monday night football. Uh so if you want to look at the silver lining, though, if you are looking for a positive, the Eagles playing on Monday might be the best thing for them in terms of I think you want 
some time to maybe adjust after that loss if the Eagles coaching staff actually will. Although I will say the last time they had a layoff from a Sunday to a Monday yeah. is when they hired Matt Patricia to be their defensive yeah. coordinator. So right. they, they overthought it. Know. Yeah. <laughs> they, but, they, maybe, maybe giving them too much time to think things over is a bad thing. <laughs> maybe the real silver lining though. That's not the real one for me would be injury stuff because the Eagles got banged up in this Giants game. Right. Reed yeah, we should probably cover that, huh? Jurgen Reed Blankenship left with a groin injury on the play. He had an interception, naturally. Cam Jurgen's eye injury. I guess he got mm-hmm. his eye poked or something. You have A.J. Brown. Seems like he should be okay. Who had the knee injury, but we'll need to see how he does in practice, of course. Uh, you entered the game, as we mentioned, without Devontae Smith, without Darius Slay. Um, so, you know, you could get healthier. Sidney Brown out for the year. With an ACL injury, that's tough because it will obviously impact next season potentially right. as well. Not great. But in terms of the guys who might be able to play this week, the fact that you play on Monday gives them an extra day to actually be able to play. So that's a case for optimism. Of course, that also helps the Bucks, who were banged up last time they played the Eagles. So I think it is a bit of a different matchup since then. And also, uh, specifically, Baker Mayfield was banged up. And I think was that was no small part of why the Bucks did not look good against the Panthers specifically because Baker has been dealing with multiple injuries. There's a lot of throws in that game that I saw where he was just like missing throws high, like Wentz mm-hmm. level, just sailing throws for no good reason. And I can only imagine that's in part related to some of the injuries he has going on. Part of it's he's Baker Mayfield. He's not a great player, but even so, for Baker not being great, I thought he still just didn't look healthy, honestly. So that does also help the Bucks in a way. But um, I don't know. To me, it sucks that you have to wait longer to see this team play a game when I think everyone wants to just end the season, yeah. man. Let's let's have let's have closure one way or the other. Yeah, especially because the other alternative is they play the first playoff game. You know, right? If they if if the if the league decided to put a four the four or five options were the first slot on Saturday in the afternoon or Monday night, and it would just be great to be like if the season's going to be ending in a dumpster fire anyway, can we just get it over with? And then like yeah, oh, let's I get it over with cool- on Saturday. Well, now I get some yeah. playoff games to enjoy, too. It's like, oh, now I can at least enjoy the other games and kind of... Because this is actually <laughs> going right. to be, I think, the great playoffs for if you're like an NFL fan in general. Like, I think it's going to be very entertaining. I like a lot of these matchups. I'm rooting for the Browns to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I think they're going to be a fun team in this postseason here. So, yeah, there's like a lot of like revenge situations here. Like Tyreek Hill is playing the, the Chiefs. Right. Uh, Stafford playing the Lions. Uh, juice. Mike M- McCarthy's playing uh, the Packers, mm-hmm. uh, the Texans and, and the Browns are playing each other, of course, with the Deshaun Watson connection there. So, yep. yeah, I mean, there are like a lot of fun storylines to go along with these games and the games themselves, like the matchups like look kind of fun too. <laughs> all of them except for Eagles Tampa, which looks like it's just going to be the worst game to watch ever. If you're like, you're a fan. I mean, even if you are a fan of either of those teams, yes. But like, if you're like a, a fan on the outside, like you're hate watching this game maybe because you don't like the Eagles. And a lot of, a lot of people really do not like the Eagles. And that's part of like why their ratings are so high. And it's why ESPN was no doubt. Like <laughs> we want that game instead of Texans Browns. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard watch for not just the fans of, of these teams, but also, you know, just kind of fans around the league. So when the Eagles played the Bucks back in week three, uh, they were coming off Thursday night football. So they had that. It's probably their most impressive game. win of the year. Right. Literally, it was their biggest margin of victory tied with uh-huh. um, another game, the Dolphins game, I think. 14 points. Those are the Eagles' biggest wins this year in terms of points. So 
Uh, and also bullied them that game. That, that was the I game was where say, like Todd Bowles just didn't even bother calling timeouts at the end of the game. He just wanted the game to be over when the Eagles were yep. running it down their throats. I remember at that point in the season, I was like, oh, the Eagles are for real. Like <laughs> they're going to do this to a lot of teams this year. And then that was the last time we saw it this year. The Eagles won by 14, but also the, the Bucks scored that touchdown. They're only touchdown late in the game. Like Mike Evans yeah. got a touchdown, but that was garbage time. Basically like, the game was over. It was, tw- so it was really, I mean, it easily could have been, um, I think they they got it was like what twenty five to eleven. So I think they got the touchdown. They went for two. I mean, if they don't get that garbage time touchdown, yeah, it's you know it doesn't even look as close as two touchdown a two touchdown score at the end. The some again some of the differences are the Bucks at that time didn't even run the ball or definitely didn't run it well. But mm-hmm. the Eagles' run defense was really good. That's changed a bit. The Bucks have kind of found more of a running identity with Rashad White kind of picking up right. steam since then. So that's going to be a different uh, dynamic. DeAndre Swift gave the Bucks a lot of problems last time. So I would assume the Eagles are going to try to get him involved and really lean on him in this game. And then probably is part of the reason why they wanted to rest him in week 18, knowing they're, with, I'm guessing, going to rely on him a lot and really lean on him mm-hmm. in this game. Makes sense. So that certainly helps. What really seems to be the mismatch of the century is Todd Bowles loving to blitz. Bucks have one of the heaviest blitz rates in the league going up against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles' inability. So I think the blitz thing, getting back on that for a second, you definitely have to say coaching staff is a big problem with that. But it's hard for me to say like Jalen Hurts is not a problem with that at all when you look at just how long he holds onto the ball. And you've talked about his penchant for kind of not hanging in the pocket always and is rolling out and throwing the ball away. Also, Mm -hmm. if we're talking about, and you wrote an article about this, or at least touched on it in an article last week, as it relates to uh, Jalen Hurts having control at the line of scrimmage, I think it was in a mailbag post you did, because that was obviously a big topic of conversation with the Seahawks and the game thing in terms of when he is. If Jalen Hurts has freedom at the line of scrimmage, well then at what level is he to blame for not maybe, you know, audibling and saying, hey, Blitz, recognizing it, I need to get this ball out fast, yep. or I need to have an option. I like. Does he not have the ability to check into a hot route at all? Is that, like, not a thing at all, ever? Is he not allowed to do that? Like, I kind of find that, like, hard to believe that he is not culpable in any way, but um, that's another thought. And certainly we saw once upon a time how Todd Bowles had a really good game plan against Jalen Hurts. And right, Eagles yeah, 2021 version of Hurts. Yep. Where you had that mic'd up clip of not Todd Bowles, but an assistant on the Bucks staff. What did he say? It was something to the effect of like, uh, they can't pass or it was like, remember that clip? That I don't night? remember. I know I vaguely know what you're talking about and I was interested to hear where you were going with that, but I don't remember what exactly. Let me look said. it up, but what are your, but, your but, but, but their, their defensive game plan was clear in that game where they did not want they, they tried to keep Hertz A in the pocket, but also they did not want him escaping to his right. Actually, similarly to the way the Eagles used to play Michael Vick when he was with the Falcons. Uh, namely, there was a playoff game where um, uh, Javon Curse, his whole job that day was to just keep him from rolling to his left, make him go to his right and throw on the move to his right. They did the same thing to Hertz in that game, but the opposite direction. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, the, the, and it worked. <laughs> like, and th- that was one of the big things during that offseason was a can uh, can hurt stay in the pocket and, and beat you from the pocket. Can um, can he get defenses to stop? Uh, you know, just ignoring his and also he always threw the right side of the field like he didn't he didn't throw to the middle of the field and the left side of the field all that much he was always just looking yep. to that side um and it, these are all like things that, that you know that, that you know the past or whatever because he's he's gotten better at all that stuff over the last two years but yeah i mean point is todd bowles had a really good game plan for specifically tailored to beat jalen hurts and i imagine he'll do that again this this week seeing what the cardinals and the giants and and the Cowboys and so many other teams have been able to do to really frustrate this Eagles offense with the blitz. This guy can't read. Keep moving oh. around. He can't read now. He's going to give us a couple. That was Buccaneers cornerbacks coach Kevin Ross. Okay. Ooh, that that clip came. Again, different quarterback now than he was then, but I but I agree. Todd Bowles is a really good defensive coach and and more specifically a really good de- scheming uh mm-hmm. defensive coach and and you know, not good when <laughs> when we've seen how this offense has struggled against, particularly what he likes to do, blitz. Mm-hmm. And recently, you know, just the lack of answers recently, a big issue. Uh, I guess my last thought is for now, I'll, say, I'll hold off on the prediction, I guess, for the preview podcast, although spoiler alert, I think most people will know which way I'm going to lean on this one. I think there's something to... I mean, obviously we saw it in the game where you didn't see a lot of fight. There was no fight in the Week 18 game. I think this team, on one hand, I was I was going into Week 18, and I'm like, there's no way they just roll over, right? Because they have Jason Kelsey. They have Fletcher Cox. I know he didn't play. I didn't know that at the time. But they're going into the game. They have a lot of proud veterans here who might be sure. playing in their last game as an Eagle. They really go down without a fight. Like That's kind of hard for me to fully believe. Right. At the same time. I'm seeing this, these quotes from Fletcher Cox. I think Mike Sealski had this for the Inquirer after the game. Fletcher Cox is saying he's very concerned because he sees the players and they look sad. I think this team very much doesn't believe in themselves. I don't think they do. I think they've been absolutely shook by this. And I don't think they have the resolve to bounce back from this. And I don't think the Bucks are exactly riding high with great vibes. Again, they didn't look great in Week 18. But I do think they're at a spot where... They're looking at their chops, looking at this Eagles team coming. Like, this Eagles team's coming into our house. Like, sign us up. I think they're pretty excited. They're pretty jazzed for that. I don't know what the crowd situation is going to be like. I would imagine that, you know, you get a lot of Eagles fans who travel no matter what. So, there's going to be a lot of Eagles fans live down there. That too, transplants and whatnot. But you're not going to have your full force, I would would think, considering how little juice there is around this team. Yeah. So... I don't know, kind of rambling here, but I just think the vibe surrounding this game, and it doesn't sound... What is the line, by the way? I know it opened at like two and a half and then immediately went down. I I think it's back up, I expected the I expected the Bucks to be favored in this game. I was very surprised when I first saw that they were not. That probably is a bad sign for the Bucks. I feel like, because you could read that as Vegas doesn't know what they're doing, but that's typically not how it works. The Buccaneers. All right, I got it here. The Eagles are they're favored by two and a half. How is yeah. that? They're favored on the road by two and a half. Really? They just lost to the Cardinals and the and the Giants. And I'm just lost. I got their asses kicked by the Cardinals and the Giants. They're favored in this game. Yep. Not a betting man, but hey, maybe. 
<laughs> I saw a shout out to BGN alumnus and uh, good Twitter follow Brent Cohen, Eagles Rewind on Twitter, who placed a bet so big, I think, on the Buccaneers over that <laughs> it actually <laughs> got like flagged by DraftKings. And really? To, okay. They have to like approve it. They have to like, you know, it's not just, I guess, I don't know how their system works, but I'm guessing like they yeah. have a system where like you can bet a certain amount and it's just like automated. But this one had to be like personally reviewed because it was such a big amount. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. What was the bet? These are the bucks over. Do you know what the number was? It was 30 and a half, I think. That's the that's the over for them in this game? It's 30 and I a half? It's probably an alternate. Or did, or did Brett just push it to that? Did he set it yeah. at that? Like it's probably oh, okay. an alternate thing that he set up okay. still like for him to do that and the the sport the big event so big that the sports book is like well, we need to look at that <laughs> yeah um, kind of tells you where the eagles are at so all right uh yeah i mean sorry if you're looking for optimism i i mean i don't i don't have it i don't think this team deserves it i think it's not i don't think it's what's best for the team i don't think winning this game is best for the eagles other than if they again the situation where they just look completely different than they have all year and they crush this team they look like they're actually ready to go on a run sure that would be good obviously you want to win the super bowl this year if you can but i don't really think that's on the table anymore we've have too much evidence of this team being just downright not fun the season has not been fun it's been a pretty miserable season has anyone been having fun really with this eagle season i mean it was kind of cool that they were what 11-1 or whatever sure that was great but a lot of those wins week by week were frustrating and not like super enjoyable. Think about it from this perspective. At what point during the season, when you're an Eagles fan, have you like really been able to talk crap to other fans? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Maybe like after like really week three or after week three or week four, uh, or maybe even like week five, they're, they're five and oh, at one point they're, they're actually, they, them and the uh, 49ers were the two lone remaining Mm-hmm. Uh, undefeated teams. And then they both lost week six. It was actually the second year in a row that the Eagles were the lone undefeated team. If you count the tie with the, with yes. the 49ers. Um, and then they actually had the best record or at least a share of the best record in the NFL for a really long sustained period of time yes. from 2022 carrying over into 2023 up until and beyond, I mean, there were 12 and there were 10 and one at one point when every other team in the league had at least three losses. Mm-hmm. So until they until they got their fourth loss this year, they had at least a share of the best record in the NFL for for almost the entirety of two seasons, which is mm-hmm. crazy considering how unenjoyable it's been this year. Yep. And by the way, I got a, I got an email from uh, from a listener. I totally get it. Like they their sentiment was. You guys are really negative and it's hard to <laughs> sometimes it's uh it's it's hard to listen to the negativity. I totally get that. Like I you feel bad during games and you're maybe at the gym or going for a run <laughs> and then we're being negative about the team. But I mean, sorry, we just gotta call it how we see it. We you know, we're not gonna blow sunshine up anyone's asses and like well, what's going on with this team on and off the field. So I get it. Like I totally, totally get it. But um, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> we just kinda have to call it as we see it. I think it's tough love, though. I don't think it's just negativity, or at least there's an element of that. It's like, I'm not saying this because, like, the Eagles are irredeemable all time, and they should always be hate. No, I'm saying this because I care. I want to see things better, and guess what? How things get better is when you call it out for what it is, and you hold feet to the fire and put pressure as fans, and 
media, whatever, you have to put pressure on the team and hold people accountable and call it out as opposed to just being like, oh, it's not that bad of a collapse. It's fine. You know, it's not that big of a deal because there are markets like that, by the way, where I feel like coaches have lasted longer or players have lasted longer or whatever because the heat isn't turned up and they kind of get and people aren't held accountable and they get away with stuff and the mediocrity or losing or whatever festers more than it should because no one's calling it out like they should. So I get it. It's not fun. Obviously, everyone wants to see them do well, but when things are bad, you have to call it out for what it is and recognize that. And again, put the pressure on that the way I look at it. I'm speaking for myself here and how I view it and hope that things change when you do that. So I thought actually Elliot had a had a uh, a, a pretty good tweet about, you know, comparing Nick Sirianni and um, uh, Mike McDaniel in hmm. in Miami. Like Miami kind of fraudy this year too. And, and the point that Elliot made was they both blew big leads in their division. Um, of course, the Dolphins lost last night to the Bills and they pissed away the AFC East. They're now, I think, the, they're the five seed or the six seed. They're the six seed because they're going to the Chiefs. Or the they got three. playing Kansas City. The Browns Ooh, got locked They're probably going to be one and done. <laughs> so, like, they blew a big lead. Um, they scored 14 points in the game, in a game they had to have to win the division. And they have lost what to like, I think they're what one and four or one and five against yeah. teams with, with winning records this, this season. They only so, beat the Cowboys. <laughs> and, and McDaniel's considered like this genius. Hmm. And I mean, Sirianni is rightfully getting criticized. So I'm not saying like you shouldn't criticize Sirianni, like, but, but why is McDaniel considered a genius? And that's kind of the difference between like the Miami market and the Philly market. Yeah. Definitely think that's part of it. Also, just like the national, you know, like Mike McDaniel was this meme who kind of became yeah. you know, appreciated. Oh, he's delightful during his, like, his press like conferences are, are delightful. And it's great. That's fine. It's, he's entertaining and that's fine. But that right. doesn't make him like a coach. Like right. Chip was like, was, was you know, fun and had jokes and, you mm. know, made Anchorman references and, and stuff like that. It's not necessarily in years two and three, but his first year, like he said, fun stuff at his press conferences, but that doesn't make him a good coach. Right. Exactly. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts by you, Jimmy? Uh, well, like I said, I'm going to check out Clearwater. Very uh, excited to see that. I've heard great things about Clearwater. Um, have you ever been to, I guess you've never been to, have you ever been there before? Have you ever been to like Eagles? I'm sorry, not Eagles, Phillies. Um, spring training. Spring training. I have not, but it's funny because I might be going this year. My friend, shout out to my friend Zach, getting married, and he's having his bachelor party in Clearwater, so I will be going oh, with awesome. him. Oh, that's awesome. And potentially going to a spring training game this year. I hear that's a good time down there. Let me ask you this, and this always comes up, like once a team is either has either like failed, already failed, or is the writing on the wall is very clear that they're about to, but like, and the question is like, what Philly team is now the most likely to win the next championship. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not going to be the Eagles this year. It certainly appears. So who would you have as a, uh, as a uh, most likely? I saw this in your mailbag. I mean, you have to say the Phillies just because they've shown like ability to get hot and go on runs. And obviously they didn't make the world series this year, but they, it feels like they could have, like they have that kind of ceiling. It feels like they have that kind of ceiling. And the Sixers. And that kind of vibe, that vibe to yeah. it as well. And Bryce Harper's literally one of the best players in the sport. So as long as you sure. have that, I think, I mean, I'm not as much of a baseball guy, but my understanding is as long as you have that, and they have like a huge payroll, they have a lot of talent, 
they have that ceiling. They, and, and also baseball is like kind of weird. Um, you know, teams can get hot and I think they're a team that can get hot. So I, I think it has to be the Phillies. Also, they're, you know, they're bringing a lot of guys back from the past two years where they've been able to go deep into the playoffs. Whereas the Sixers clearly like you're insane. If you're just giving them the benefit of the doubt to get beyond the second round, like wake me up when they do. I hope they do. Right. I think they're, ha- they're going through a little bit of a rut right now. I know. I think they're having a good year relative to expectation. I expected much less. So that's nice. And Bede's playing like the MVP potentially again. So that's all mm-hmm. well and good. Nick but... Nurse seems to be a clear upgrade over Dak. Of course. But, but I, I'm I not, mean... I, I, but I'm done. I'm done yeah. getting excited about they, them until, you can't, <laughs> until I actually you see can't. something. Yeah. I think they yeah. should agree with that or would agree with that. Like you, you, they've not earned the benefit of the doubt in that regard, especially yeah. when Boston still looms. That's the thing. Specific, like too, like Boston is, the boogeyman for them like they can't get by that team so <laughs> right. if, it's one thing if like they fell off but they're still there and they're a big problem and not going to assume the the uh, sixers can beat them fires have been playing above expectation from what i understand but you know still not they're not yeah i don't know enough about the nhl to have any real i don't think they're there. contending they're i think they're a team that's having like a nice year relative to what people thought but they're like uh i don't know it's not the perfect example like the texans you know i don't think they have like that they don't have a cj stroud but you know they're like a team like oh okay everyone thought they're gonna be terrible and they're actually like you know could make the playoffs but yeah so anyway uh i think it has to be the phillies i think you have to say that yeah i'm there with you too all right what's your final thought could be the philadelphia water dogs too i'm wearing a philadelphia water dogs hat right now shout out to the philadelphia water dogs uh lacrosse team that will be debuting i believe in may or june or so shout out to them for sending me some free swag my final thought is i guess we'll just set up the week a little bit here so eagles playing on a monday that means their preparation schedule instead of being wednesday through friday like it usually is ahead of a sunday game will obviously be thursday through saturday so we to me and i will be back i guess later in the week to kind of see how the injury report goes and uh see what's going on for this matchup man what what a joke like what this is a playoff game and the juice level is just it's tough it's tough not quite there but we'll still talk about it and we'll preview it and we'll see how it goes will the eagles make any will they go back to sean desai before the buccaneers game who knows we'll see real Uh, quick speaking speaking of lacrosse Miles Kempsky, wow, second or third cousin of mine. Um, okay, he uh, are close to this person, knowing your relationship. To <laughs> I, you know, we've been in the other family functions. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he was the quarterback at Archmere in Delaware. Went to the state title, almost won. Uh, and like I see, like headlines, like mm. Kempsky passes for two hundred something yards. It runs for another 80 and it's funny to see that in print because of course that's my last name mm. <laughs> and i never had that kind of ability uh in high school but he's he's uh he's he's committed to umass lowell wow as uh i believe on a scholarship uh, to, play, to play lacrosse for them so yeah uh shout out to my second or third cousin whatever what i don't i don't know and it's not that i don't know about my family. <laughs> it's a, I don't know how that works with second or third cut. I, I was going to say, 
I don't. Think, I don't know the definitions of all that. <laughs> I don't think anyone uses second or third cousin correctly, <laughs> right? Because if you look yeah. at, I've, I'm you know really pedantic and annoying about this kind of stuff. So I've looked that up before. Like there's a chart that kind of shows you you know the relations and what you would call people. Mm-hmm. And technically, like, a lot of those times, I don't think it's because I've heard different things. Oh, it's like oh, it's your cousin's kid or whatever. Or it's your cousin's cousin, or like different kind of descriptions of the same thing. It turns out, I think it's kind of confusing because there's like a first cousin once removed like dynamic to it. Like that's actually officially like how you would describe them, the once removed terms. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a whole thing. It's it's a whole wormhole that you can go down and look up. Uh, what is a second cousin? Let's see what the top Google result for that is. Uh, First cousin once removed and other distant relatives. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole, there's a whole thing with that. I think your cousin's kid is your is a cousin once removed. But uh, anyway, really good cousins. I last here. saw Miles at my at my Aunt Helen's funeral. I think I mentioned my Aunt Helen on the podcast like a year or two ago. I forget mm. when she passed away, but she, she lived to be over 100 years old. So that was the last time I, uh, uh, my, uh, my path crossed with. Uh, starting quarterback for Archmere High School. <laughs> um, I'm really going down this wormhole now. I got to let's end the show. I have to figure out what this is. <laughs> if you okay. know what the answer is, I guess explain it in the the Bleeding Green Nation Apple Podcast ratings and reviews, which we appreciate. Five stars helps keep the lights on here. Helps keep things going. In addition to supporting our excellent, wonderful sponsors, who we love very much, and you can check out more information about them all in the episode description below in addition to our social media handles if you want to reach out and explain what second cousins are at Brittany Gowden at Jimmy Kemsky okay Jimmy you and I will talk potentially for the last Eagles preview show of the season we'll see later Mm -hmm. this week here on BGN Radio the Bleeding Your Nation podcast network check out all the other shows we have going on as well I'm sure well I don't know if you really want to listen to an all 22 breakdown of that week 18 game. I don't know what Johnny, I guess jo- Johnny and Shane are probably going to preview this game, probably more than focus on, on that game, but uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting either way. And it will still be worth listening to. So check out that show and all of our preview shows here, including I and the enemy as well. John Stolness, uh, because it's great insight by everyone. So Jimmy, uh, I'll talk to you later this week. Goodbye, everybody. B G N.